What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Will Clemente is the lead insights analyst at Blockware. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin, the market structure, on-chain analytics, and where we go from here. I really enjoyed this weekly conversation with Will, as always, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a US dollar loan product against your crypto collateral, and a no-fee cryptocurrency trading product. BlockFi also just released a brand new Bitcoin Rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card that when you swipe it, you get Bitcoin back rather than cash back or airline miles. I'm an investor in the business and I'm a very happy user. The BlockFi Bitcoin Rewards credit card is absolutely amazing. To start earning today, go visit blockfi.com slash pomp. Again, blockfi.com slash pomp. I've got the credit card. I love it. I think you will too. Blockfi.com slash pomp. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin. And Choice is here to help. Choice is rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that can be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other cryptos, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part? They just released an iOS app, so you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and the 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open your Choice account today. Search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. Again, search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. And one more thing, if you want to hold your private keys, Choice lets you do that too. Start stacking tax-efficient Satoshis today and visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. Last but not least are my friends over at Circle. If you manage corporate or institutional funds, you're probably looking for ways to access opportunities in crypto. You see the growth and momentum and you want exposure. But a lot of institutions don't know how or aren't comfortable with the risks of Bitcoin or DeFi. Now there's a new investment that's built specifically to help institutions get into digital assets. It's called Circle Yield. It's a blockchain-based investment built with USDC, the leading dollar digital currency. Circle Yield is over-collateralized and fully secured with Bitcoin collateral to protect your funds. This also makes it a great fit for crypto institutions who want to diversify their treasuries and reduce risks while staying all on-chain. You get your choice of terms from 1 to 12 months in a fixed rate that's higher than what you'll get at a bank or in many fixed-income markets. Visit circle.com slash pomp to book a meeting with one of their experts. Again, circle.com slash pomp and book a meeting with one of their experts. Big fan of Circle, and I think you will be as well. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Will, what's up, man? Hey, can you hear me? We got you, dude. Cool. How you doing? We're doing great. We just gave somebody a 7% raise for uh, the month of December in the audience. How about that? 
Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Wish I uh, put my name in that hat. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. you're doing all right for yourself. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's start with, let's go back two weeks. You weren't on the show last week, uh, and there was uh, a big flush, if you will, a big liquidation mm-hmm. two weeks ago. If you had been on this show, you were very, not very bearish, but you were pretty bearish. You, you, you had, a, I think, a sense that, hey, things uh, may be going down here. Uh, and most people say, oh, that's nonsense. He's just saying that now, whatever. But literally you wrote a newsletter, like we have the information. Uh, so talk to us about what you were thinking kind of two weeks ago, right before that big liquidation, uh, flush before we start talking about what's happening right now. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I just threw two little excerpts in here for anyone, um, reading the letter. And, uh, so I'll read them both. They're both very short. So two weeks ago and for week 16, so this was two weeks ago, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, I said, for Bitcoin, the short-term bearish case lies in the derivatives data. We are currently seeing open interest as a percentage of market cap unfazed by this recent drawdown. In addition to this, funding seems relatively unfazed, as well as the limited amount of long liquidations that we've seen. Would not be, dis- would not be surprised to see some kind of final liquidation-driven wick. Uh, and then last week, um, I kind of got even more cautious, seeing that we still hadn't flushed any of OI. Uh, I said, OI, excluding CME, as well as just the perpetual swap OI um, are both near all-time highs in both USD and BTC terms. We've got a regime of positive uh, premium or funding, uh, which essentially are just showing the same thing, as well as uh, long-short ratios were at all-time highs with no reset, as well as uh, the derivatives data shows a large buildup of OI. Uh, that will likely get released at some point, just not sure exactly when, and you know this happened ended up happening on Friday. Not saying that I knew it was going to happen Friday, but, uh, and then I said, you know, we'd love to see some kind of OI wipe out followed by a regime of negative slash mixed funding, similar to uh, what we saw in, you know, post September of, of uh, last year heading into Q4. So, you know, what, what I'm just trying to get at here is not just to shill like my call or whatever, um, but just, just to say that, you know, we were, we were pretty, uh, you know, uh, preempted for this move. And if you kind of know what to look for in the derivatives data, uh, then you, you would have probably been pretty risk off. Um, you know, derivatives, if, if you're not paying attention to the derivatives data, you're really having a huge blind spot because the PERP market is the most liquid product in the Bitcoin market. So it has the most impact on the overall, you know, price action for Bitcoin. Um, and so that's something that you really need to be paying attention to. And, and it would have really costed you if you hadn't been paying attention to that over the last couple of weeks. So when you think about this, uh, obviously we get the liquidations, right? There's kind of price continues to fall, continues to fall. I think it, on some exchanges, it went sub 30K uh, for a very short period of time. But for most exchanges, it kind of went down around $40,000, $42,000, whatever it was. Yeah. We came back, uh, you know, by Monday, kind of mid 40s. Uh, and we've been hanging around, you know, maybe forty-eight dollars to $50,000. How do you start thinking about that? event before we talk about what's happening right now is that a uh, market structure type uh like liquidation driven thing and people shouldn't read into um you know uh virus variants or any of the other stuff going on like it was just purely super illiquid market somebody came in sold a bunch of bitcoin it created a bunch of liquidations and that's all there is to it sure so um you know i think i think you can look at this there's, there's several factors to everything. It's never just one clear cut thing. And so the way I, the way I like to see it is first of all, that, um, that the open interest is just almost like you think of pressure. And so that pressure has to get released at some point. Um, so we had this large buildup of pressure over the last month, month and a half in combination with that, 
we had a lot of um, institutional flows that kind of slowed down. Uh, and, and part of that, I think, is just because it's the end of the year. You know, we have these funds that are sitting on massive unrealized gains. And then we've had all this macro uncertainty, whether it be, you know, uh, talk about the Fed raising rates as well as, uh, you know, the I, can, I can't pronounce on the cron or whatever COVID variant that they, you know, whatever, um, you know, that I think I think these kinds of things or especially the COVID variant uh, news, I think it's kind of just, um, you know, an excuse for some of these funds to take profit because they're sitting on these large, you know, unrealized gains. So they're saying, hey, look, you know, we don't want to, you know, lose these unrealized gains we have. Let's just go ahead and lock this in for the year. Right. Because funds are based on this yearly basis. Um, and so, you know, I think you're, you're starting to see some of that. Uh, and, and you could also kind of technically make an argument that you'll see those flows reverse heading into the new year because it's new year willing to take on risk. But you also have to consider everything going on with macro. So pulling that aside, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but, you know, I think that those those things kind of played a part in terms of we've seen a lack of kind of spot bid. Meanwhile, you had, uh, as we've talked about, the derivatives market positioned for more upside really aggressively. And so you kind of have this underlying, you know, um, you know, uh, likelihood, you know, uh, for, for some kind of move like this. And then Friday night, uh, the reason why it happened Friday night, you know, usually you see like, you know, Elon tweeting like some sustainability flood or some kind of news driven event that really, you know, gives price the juice to really flush down and, and start triggering that cascade of liquidations. Um, you know, what actually happened was just the fact that the books were really, really thin. Um, and so if you're watching the order books, this is something that I don't pay attention to extremely heavily, but, you know, I, I am in different group chats or talk to different people who, you know, really pay attention to this kind of thing. And so, um, you know, there, I, I got several messages saying, hey, look, you know, the liquidity is really drying up. Uh, you know, the bid ask spread is widening. Um, you know, the, the books are just getting really thin. And so essentially what this means is, on the order on the order book, you have you know bids and asks, which are essentially orders saying, I you know I'm not willing to you know buy or sell, interact with the current market price, but you know I'll be a willing seller at you know X price, or I'll be a willing buyer at X price below, and that's what I deem fair value for Bitcoin or where I'd be interested in starting to average in a position. Got it. We saw all those bids and asks almost completely disappear leading up to this event. So it was actually the the least amount of liquidity since the move uh, before May. And so what that meant is that if, if you were coming in looking to trigger some kind of move like this, um, you know, it's very easy for you to kind of, uh, you know, trigger this kind of cascading effect. I think it only, it was like 8,000 Bitcoin really kind of triggered this move, um, which, you know, usually isn't a, a whole lot for, you know, the overall, you know, Bitcoin market. And it can usually absorb that really well. But because there was such a lack of, um, you know, Order, orders in the books that, you know, as soon as we saw those spot orders hitting hitting the market, then that really kind of moved the price down and started to trigger that cascading effect. And so like, you know, I know this is kind of a meme that like, oh, whales manipulate the market and whatever, whether you want to call it manipulation or whatever. Um, you know, I think I, I think this was honestly, a, you know, a planned event. I think, you know, someone someone was looking at this and said, hey, you know, the, the books are really thin. We've got all this OI to flush out. You know, we've been in a regime of positive funding. Long short ratios are at all time highs. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and just trigger this thing, right? Somebody's got to do. Let's just rip the bandaid off. Um, you know, you could easily go short, trigger the trickle the trigger the cascade, uh, and then you know, cash in big on on some kind of move like this. Um, and so, you know, I definitely think this was an orchestrated thing in the sense that you know someone saw an opportunity and took the opportunity, but at the same time, 
you know, I, I don't think it's something like you should be outraged because whales are manipulating the market. I mean, this is just an opportunity that was there in the same way that, you know, you see a lot of shorts building up. And, um, you know, I think the kind of people that are saying like, oh, this is manipulation or would be the same people not to complain if you saw, you know, a, a large short, you know, liquidation event because, you know, some whale saw that it was advantageous to trigger shorts. You know, it's just uh, that was the setup that was that was there at the time. And I think someone just took advantage of that. All right. So I want to talk about what's going on right now when we look at a lot of these metrics. Um, you've put out uh, the first chart for today is this open interest dominance. And basically what you've done is you've drawn this line here that's showing kind of a, a resetting over and over again. So explain what yeah. open interest dominance means and then what you're seeing here with this chart. Right. So first of all, let's just talk about what open interest is. So open interest is all the, the total amount of all the uh, open contracts in the in the Bitcoin futures market. Um, and specifically in this chart, I'm looking at the perpetual swap market only, um, which it's not actually labeled. I, I forgot to label it before I sent the letter out, but this is looking at specifically only the perpetual uh, futures open interest. Um, and so w- w- what this metric is essentially trying to show you is how high open interest is relative to market cap. Because, you know, if if open interest is at uh, $100 million and, you know, Bitcoin's market cap is a billion dollars, that mat- that matters, you know, a lot less than you know if uh, if open in- if open interest is 100 million and Bitcoin's market cap is you know 150 million because it has a much larger weight as a as a you know percentage of what market cap is. So it's it's more it's more uh, influenced by the derivatives market. And so whenever that whenever that decreases or you see these flushes, that means that the market's now driven more so by spot than derivatives. Um, and so when you when you look back at this chart, you'll see. Earlier this year, um, heading into all-time highs uh, in you know, kind of mid-May, heading into I mean, sorry, in mid-April, heading into May, um, we were we were really high in terms of this metric. So you know, open interest was really mooning. Um, we had all these traders, you know, thinking, okay, Bitcoin's going to the moon. I'm gonna leverage long. They all got wiped out in May, um, and then from there, we built up a lot more open interest. This time, it was actually shorts heading into uh, the end of July, and so. Pomp, this is something that you know you and I were on top of at the time. We were watching funding go negative as price was grinding higher. We were talking about the likelihood of a short squeeze the week before we got a large short squeeze off the lows. We had 10 straight days off of off the lows, wiped out all that open interest that was majority shorts um, or, or aggressively shorts, I should say. Um, and then we had another wipeout on that failed break above 53K. Um, and, and part of the reason behind that was that alt uh, funding was really mooning. And so that's that's where, you know, we learned that you also need to be paying attention to the alt market as well. Because um, I think at the time, uh, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I think at the time people were saying, well, if Bitcoin's going to break out, then I'll just go ahead and front run the, the fact of, you know, you could just go out on the risk curve and long alts. And so people were all longing alts and you saw that through funding, but we were just, you know, tunnel vision looking at Bitcoin. And so that, that's what kind of triggered that that event there. Um, the funding was relatively muted at the time for Bitcoin on that on that third flush um, above you know in September of this year, uh, but uh, funding on alts was like 250% APR, and so that kind of assisted in, in triggering a flush there. We wiped out a lot of the open interest. Uh, we moved down to about 40k, uh, kind of double bottomed before moving higher, and then most recently we built up a lot more open interest. Um, we've we've kind of set this this um, you know, higher kind of zone over the last couple of weeks of, of open interest. And we've just kind of been hanging out there. 
Uh, and then recently this last week, we finally flushed that out back down to the lowest point since May, which means that the market is, is uh, you know, the most spot driven uh, or spot dominated since May. Because now, you know, all the leverage guys that just got wiped out are really hesitant to get back in the market because they just got completely obliterated, especially like uh, Bybit, which tends to be like a more retail driven exchange. Bybit OI got wiped out by like 50 percent. Um, and so, you Crazy. know, you're seeing that now that now these people are yeah absolutely obliterated. Um, now you're seeing that the market's a lot more spot driven. Okay. Now I want to talk about this second one, because there was a second metric that I think you were watching pretty aggressively here. Uh, and this is basically looking at the long short ratio, uh, specifically around, uh, the perpetual market. And so it describe a little bit about what that means. What is the long short ratio in the perp market? Uh, and then why were you a little cautious when you started to see what was happening? So first of all, I think it's important to understand that um, I think there's a bit of a misconception around this metric in the sense that it's not saying that there's more longs than shorts, um, which I know seems a little confusing, but there's there's a short for every long and a long for every short. So it's just a contract and someone's taking the other side of that contract. And so what you really need to think about is what what is the risk of the, the people on both sides of those contracts? So for example, you know, you could have a retail ape on the long side that's, you know, saying, you know, I think Bitcoin's going to go to the moon. Right, and then at, at the same at the same time, you could have a market maker on the other on the other side of that contract, and they may be short the perp contract, but they could actually be long spot as well and just be delta neutral because they're a market maker. So market makers are delta neutral, meaning that they have no directional bias in the market. They're just providing liquidity, and then they get paid a fee by the exchanges. So what I'm saying is, it's it's key to understand that there's a long for every short and a short for every long. It's just about what is the risk that each sides of the of that contract are holding. Um, with that being said, what the long short ratio is showing here is the amount of accounts that are net long versus net short. And so, kind of the the idea behind this is that. When you have um, you know, the majority of market participants that are positioned a certain way, you're, that likely means that you know, that's, that's the overtrack. You know, whenever you have something that's consensus, generally that the opposite happens. Um, and so we had, we had an all-time high in terms of this long-short ratio on Binance, which is the largest, uh, you know, largest exchange by volume and open interest. Uh, and so that meant that you know, retail was really aggressively positioned for higher prices without any kind of major flush out or, or shake out event. Um, and so that paired with um, some of the other things we talked about also had me really cautious. Uh, but that that got wiped out pretty substantially um, during that move as well, which which is a good sign because now you've seen um, you know some of that kind of exuberance or, or greed kind of flushed out of the market. All right. The last thing on uh, the perps is the funding rate across all exchanges. Uh, what are you seeing here uh, in terms of uh, kind of negative or positive funding rates? Sure. So uh, first of all, I know we talk about this a fair amount, but for maybe anybody who doesn't know, uh, the funding rate is based on premium when the premium is the difference between the perpetual contract price and the weighted spot index price. And so it's essentially a mechanism that incentivizes market participants to keep the perp contract pegged to the, the weighted spot index price by paying out a funding rate for taking the other side of the trade. So when funding is positive, longs are paying shorts. And when funding is negative, shorts are paying longs. So funding is really useful in two ways, in my opinion. So A, when price is diverging from funding. So that, that just means when, for example, price is dropping and funding is rising or you know, price is rising, funding's dropping. And, and B is when there's a regime, meaning kind of an extended period of time when funding is either uh, rising, uh, or positive, negative, or, or mixed. Um, and, and that also needs to be paired with high open interest that hasn't been flushed yet. The reasoning, the reasoning I tag on that extra point, it, it's really crucial to understand because if there's no open interest, who cares about the funding? Because 
you know, open interest doesn't have an, a, a major impact on the market right now. So, for example, you know, funding is is uh, less important right now than it was, you know, call it a month or so ago, just because OI got wiped out pretty heavily. I mean, it's still important, but it's not, you know, as as important. Uh, and then so two examples of A. So I, I said A was when when price is diverging from funding. B is when there's a regime. So two examples of A were, um, first of all, when we when we squeezed off the summer lows, uh, price was moving up, funding was dropping, especially on Bybit. Um, and then also another example would be after the all time high breakout last month, when price started grinding down and funding was mooning. So, you know, you had that dislocation there. Um, and then this 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 most recent flush was more of an example of B. So meaning, you know, we had a prolonged kind of uh, regime of positive funding paired with all the, uh, you know, we talked about the long short ratio as well as we were at all time highs um, in both BTC and USD terms nearly on, on the perpetual open interest, as well as open interest excluding uh, CME. Um, and so so going off of this kind of idea of, of regimes, we talked about, well, actually I was on the show last week. Um, last week in the newsletter, I, I showed like this kind of zoomed out view of, uh, of all of the, all of all fundings of, you know, history since like March, 2020. And so to just kind of walk through this briefly, uh, I won't like get into it too much, but so after, after the March, you know, liquidation cascade, we were in a regime of negative funding and we were prices grinding up, meaning traders were essentially in disbelief, which is, you know, what you really want to see if you're bull, um, you know, heading into kind of the September area, uh, once we kind of, if you look at the chart, you know, in September of last year, we kind of had this plateau up on the, on the price action. So we went up, kind of plateaued out, and then we had this 20, 20% uh, move down. On that initial move up, when we were plateauing, funding was mooning. Um, and it was like the highest it had been all year, meaning that, you know, perp traders were saying, oh, you know, we're going straight to all time. We're going straight to 20K. Um, you know, you know, this is it, right? And, and so then uh, they inevitably kind of got flushed out. Um, and so, uh, we, we went from regime of positive funding, then that got flushed out. And then after September, after that 20, 25% correction um, in September of last year, uh, we were in a mixed regime, meaning that we had both negative and positive and, and majority negative. Uh, and that's what you really want to see if you're bull um, as well. I mean, what you really, really want to see is just straight negative. But, you know, generally, like uh, if you're in the if you're in the Bitcoin market, you're by definition, you know, bullish on the asset. So generally, um, you know, you're going to see, at, you know, mixed funding at a minimum. Uh, but that, that's really showing you uncertainty. Mixed funding is showing you kind of uncertainty from perp traders or kind of lack of, of you know, full just kind of like, uh, you know, bullish outlook, right? Uh, versus, you know, seeing funding really high. So mixed funding is saying, you know, oh, we're kind of unsure, right? Uh, you know, we don't know anymore after 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 that September flush. Oh, we don't know anymore if we're going to go straight to all time highs. And that that really, you know, kind of put us in a favorable spot for this disbelief rally that we had into October of last year, led us into that all time high breakout. Uh, and so what you want to see now that we've we just talked about over the last month and a half, we've been in a regime of just straight up positive funding with no reset. We finally got that reset. And what that means is that um, initially, when, when we had this liquidation move, that the per by definition the the per price is going to be below the spot price just because you have forced selling. So you're always going to see you're always going to see negative funding on some kind of liquidation move just because by definition you know perp traders are becoming forced sellers during that cascade. Uh, the perp price is getting driven below the spot price. But where 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 you're really kind of going to get this gauge is kind of in the day or two or, or you know week or two after. Uh, and so the t- in, in the two days following that event, we, we were straight negative. Um, and then since then, we've seen it go negative again briefly, and we're still kind of just flat. Um, and so what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at here, I know I'm like, I'm, I know I'm like 
kind of rambling here, but what you want to see kind of the TLDR is that you want to see Bitcoin consolidate and carve out a regime of mixed to negative funding, similar to what we had at the end of September. So what I'm saying is that you want to see these perpetrators essentially unsure or ideally in disbelief of, you know, some kind of move that we would potentially have to the upside eventually. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, this, this will happen for exactly this amount of period of time. I'm just saying this is what this is what uh, you know would, would put us in a favorable p- position for more upside. If you're a bull, you want to see this kind of mixed regime of funding moving forward, along with some consolidation. Got it. And so when you start to look at the on-chain cost basis, the the funding rate, I think for most people, uh, it's interesting. They understand it, right? Uh, you're doing a great job explaining it. Uh, but to me, this idea of on-chain cost basis and are we above or below where that is seems to be like a really, really important uh, component. And right now we're sitting below this. So first describe what exactly is on-chain cost basis and then what what does it mean when we're below it for a period of time? Sure. So for technical traders, the way you can think of this is a volume weighted average price. Um, but for anybody who's not technical, it's just looking at the average you know, price that investors bought in. Uh, and specifically, we're looking at short term holders. So these are entities who have held their Bitcoin for less than 155 days. And so we found that this this kind of price level is really important in terms of how Bitcoin you know, price action has, has interacted with, uh, with it. Um, you know, it, w- w- what we see is that Whenever it kind of retests, that's generally a time you want to buy when we're in kind of an uptrend. Um, I'm trying, you know, we'll talk about this, I guess, at the end, but I, I'm trying to kind of get away from this uh, concept of these binary bull and bear markets. And uh, remind me to remind me to talk about that at the end. I don't want to start like going off on a tangent while I'm talking about this, but I do want to talk about that at the end though. Um, but yeah, so whenever we're below, it's generally a time to be cautious. Um, and then whenever you have these kind of, so when we break below, you can have bearish bias. And then when we have these underside failed retests, that's when you get that confirmation. So you look at 2017, we bounced off this several times. Uh, we broke below after that blow off top. And then we got confirmation um, when we you know, had this failed underside retest, aka uh, dead cat bounce back up to that uh, on-chain cost basis and got rejected off of that. Had three more rejections. Uh, headed in kind of the depths of the bear. When we finally broke back above that, that kind of signaled that we we're coming out of the you know the bottom of the bear market. Had this kind of mini you know uh, rally into into like 14k uh, in, in uh, 2019, which was primarily driven by um, you know, the plus token you know kind of artificial lockup of coins. Um, moved back down and, and we kind of just kind of went sideways leading into the the COVID crash. Uh, finally broke back above and then we got that confirmation. So that confirmation is really key. Um, we got that confirmation in September of last year after that move we just talked about when we plateaued, flushed down 20, 25%. Uh, we retested that cost basis there and then moved higher without retesting it at all. Uh, broke below in May. So that's where you would have you know, ideally wanted to, wanted to be risk off. Came back, broke above, uh, coming off of those lows in about uh, in like late August. Retested almost a textbook reset at the end of September of this year. And most recently, we bounced off of this last week. But then this week we've now broken back below, and so to me, you know, this is this is a signal of caution. And so, you know, I think um, as an analyst, you know, your job is to really remain objective and, and pay attention to what the market is telling you, rather than you know what you want what you want to happen or what you hope is going to happen. And you know, at the time, just being objective, we've broken below the, the short term holder cost basis. Um, it's you know it's time to be cautious, and you know, all happily. And I'm not saying like I'm a like a giga bear or like I'm insanely bearish. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm not a bull 
until we reclaim this. And that's at 53K right now, which also aligns with, you know, the trillion dollar market cap threshold for Bitcoin, as well as also a, a, a pretty solid technical level as well. Uh, but, you know, until we reclaim that, uh, you know, I, I remain to, to be kind of cautious and, and um, you know, not definitely not bullish, uh, you know, in, at least in kind of an extreme way. Um, and, and so, you know, for the bulls, you obviously want to see this reclaim. If this gets reclaimed, then I'll happily flip bullish again. I'll say, OK, look, hey, guys, the market has showed me that we've now come back and, and seen strength, um, you know, and I'll happily, you know, go by what the market is telling me. But right now, the market is telling me to be cautious because we're below the short term holder cost basis. Um, for the bears, you know, bearish confirmation would be, you know, retesting this from the underside, as, as you can see on the left hand side in the chart when we had these failed underside retests um, and after 2017 heading into 2018. Um, you know, if you see a failed underside retest, that's confirmation that you really want to be, uh, you know, risk off. Um, so, you know, TLDR, as long as we're below 53K, I'm not bullish. Um, if we can reclaim it, I'll happily, you know, flip bullish again. Uh, and then bearish confirmation would be this failed underside retest. All right. We only got a couple of minutes here. So last yeah. thing is supply shock ratios. What, what's going on there? This is a little bit of uh, good news, but what, what, uh, what are you seeing there? Sure. So, um, you know, just some like, you know, positive, I guess, uh, some positivity to leave you with. Uh, it's just the fact that you've seen liquid supply increasing, which means that supply is moving to entities who hold at least 75% of the coins that they take in. So you kind of think of these as uh, the strong-handed market participants. And so this is a lot different than what we saw in May, where you saw this completely you know, draw down. Um, and so that, to me, that's showing that you, know, you have these kind of fundamental investors that are coming in and, and locking up BTC, which is a great sign. Uh, but you know, Again, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting to see if we can reclaim 53K. I think there's a lot of different dynamics going on right now. We have, you know, on-chain supply dynamics look great. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, we have macro, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, you can also make an argument that Q1 flows are going to be bullish uh, because, you know, it's a new year, fresh P&Ls, risk hunger, you know. We'll, we'll definitely see if that if that is the case. I think the first week of Q1 will be really telling, kind of judging, you know, are we seeing strong flows or not? But, you know, I think like, what, what my buddy uh, Pentoshi calls this is analysis paralysis, right? You're looking at so many different things. You know, I look at like order books, on-chain, some fundamental analysis, macro, T. I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of different things. And so like, you know, lately I've kind of been going through this process of kind of uh, synthesizing, you know, how I can, how I can, you know, really simplify my view on the market. And, and so for now, I would say that, you know, 53K is my line in the sand. If we reclaim that, I'll, you know, go back to being bullish, uh, but until then, you know, I'm, I'm cautious. And then if we have a failed underside retest, then I would, I would flip bearish. Got it. Joe, John, what questions you guys got? Hey, well, what's going on, man? Um, so mine would just be around the hash rate real quick. What are you thinking on that? I saw we just hit a new all-time high roughly six or eight months, I guess, after China banned, uh, after the China ban. What do you look at uh, from an on-chain metric perspective when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, I just look at um, hash rate as well as, you know, difficulty, just, the, you know, the basics. Um, you know, I think I think hash rate coming back online really just reflects the resiliency of the Bitcoin network, right? We had this massive, you know, migration of, of miners out of China. They completely plugged back in online across the world in a completely decentralized way. No one coordinated it, right? And it just shows you like, you know, uh, Bitcoin is almost like a starfish, right? You, you, you chop off one of the arms, it's going to grow back too, right? You know, there's, 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 uh, you know, it's just, it's just so resilient. Uh, and, and, you know, this, this has just been a reflection of, of, of that, in my opinion, you know, no centralized authority can, can shut Bitcoin down. Um, and, you know, it's been, it's been really impressive to see, you know, how aggressive hash has come back online. Now we're, we're nearing all time highs and, uh, 
we had like eight consecutive positive difficulty adjustments was just another, another way of just reflecting that, you know, how aggressive this has come back online. Um, I like you that know, uh, one other analogy. thing on, on hash rate is uh, you can look at the hash ribbons when it comes to price and that that's looking at like two different moving averages of hash. So it's telling you when we kind of come out of these minor capitulation events, if you're looking for like a way to kind of correlate hash with price, but generally, you know, I, I just look at hash and, and difficulty. My, my bad to cut you off, Joe. No, I was just saying I like your analogy of the starfish. <laughs> that's a good one. John, what questions you got? Yeah, so mine would be around new addresses getting involved in Bitcoin. I realized a few days ago we hit an all-time high of 0.1 at number of addresses. It was just under 4 million that own, or uh, excuse me, it was 3.29, 3.29 million that own 0.1 Bitcoin. Are you seeing that in the data? Are they like really making any difference here? No, um, you know, this, this just always, this always turns up. You know, it's it's a great it's a great thing when you're talking about you know being like a long term fundamental Bitcoin investor in the sense that you know you're seeing adoption increase, you know more more addresses being opened. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like anything that translates to price, and it's pretty pretty relevant to be honest. Um, you know, you see this though. Um, you know, for like the long term guys, I guess you might find this interesting. Like over time, you see you know addresses as well as entities which are forensically clustered addresses. You see, you know, the balance of the little guys going just up and to the right over time, which just shows, you know, adoption over time is just increasing, right? Um, and you know, the way I think of that is like if if you're familiar with like Ray Dalio's Big Debt Crisis, he, he talks about like the the long term debt cycles, and if you look at that, you know, there's this line that goes from the bottom left to the upper right hand side, and it's just productivity, and then overlaid you have the you know long term and short term debt cycles on top of that. But when I think of like what is that line that really is that productivity line and that framework that Ray Dalio has, and kind of applying that to Bitcoin for the Bitcoin market. That would be that is in terms of, you know, just seeing these, you know, constantly new users coming on the network, as well as when you just look at the percentage of, um, you know, supply that the, that the little guys hold. So you run the ratio of like total supply divided by, you know, the amount held by, you know, entities with less than 10 Bitcoin or less than one Bitcoin. And you, either way you want to, you know, cut it, you see that trending up and to the right only. And that's not even considering the fact that most of the little guys use custody services. So, like most of the most of the entities that we see as whales are actually custody solutions holding Bitcoin for like millions of people. Uh, but my point is just saying, you know, like that that chart is is really bullish for long term investors in sh- in terms of showing just like adoption increasing over time, but has no real effect on price and like any kind of shorter and immediate term. All right, man. If you had to uh, guess, end of year, you got a price prediction uh, in terms of uh, the next three weeks. What's going to happen? You think we could just go sideways, up, down? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of just go back to what I said about like, I I think there's so many factors right now and that it's easy to kind of get caught up in different things. Oh, well, on-chain supply looks strong. Macro is really uncertain. So I think like the the best way to kind of combat that is just setting really clear invalidation points for yourself and saying, you know, it's kind of speaking in an if-then format. So saying, if this happens, then I'll believe this if this happens, then I'll maintain this bias. So for me, that, that line in the same is 53K. Gun to my head though, you know, I think we just consolidate. I think we're just ranging. Uh, I think we're going to kind of consolidate here for a while, car- carve out kind of this regime of mixed to negative funding. Maybe we, you know, then end up coming out of this moving higher, you know, in the next couple months. Um, but, you know, you, you just have to adjust to, you know, what the market is telling you. And right now, you know, we're definitely not, you know, kind of, you know, strongly, you know, bullish like we were back in August, uh, heading into that, you know, big October we had, uh, you know, for now, I think you just need to, um, you know, just set clear and validations for, for your ideas. 
Well, people are saying, um, I read some, some different articles about kind of a 40K resistance. What do you think about that? Um, you know, 43K was just a really strong level, uh, you know, from earlier this year as well as like in September. Um, you know, I, I think there's a fair chance we could, you know, range between like 40 to 50. Um, you know, I guess my... I would have to like show you the chart because I'm not gonna be able to word this well, but I think we probably range between like 40 and 50 and then we could have some kind of like failed move down to like 35, similar to what we saw over the summer or something like that. Uh, I'm just spitballing though, but I mean, 40, 40 is a pretty strong level. I, I think that, you know, we probably, probably range above that, but you know, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens, but yeah, 40, 40 is a, 40 is a pretty strong level of support. I, I would you know, suspect that holds at least if, if we were to go down there, you know, and, and, you know, test it at least, at least the first time that we retested, we'll, we'll see that probably hold as support. But uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm kind of just a crab market maximalist right now. I think we probably just go sideways and, and, you know, carve out this regime of, you know, positive negative funding before, you know, whatever happens next. Crab market maximalist. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Anyone who's not following will on Twitter. What are you doing? Let's go. Uh, I'm going to drop his uh, Twitter account here in the chat. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got the uh, newsletter as well. Creeping up on 500K. I told you 500K by the end of the year. Let's go, Will. Come on. we got three weeks. we got 40K followers. Easy. Well, we need to get you verified. I saw you uh, yeah. going at Twitter. Yeah, man, you know, man. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, Obviously, you want to get verified, right? But like at the same time, you know, I, I had people that I've literally got scammed, like, 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 you know, joke, jokes aside, like one guy got scammed, like he might've just been like trying to say this to scam me. I don't know, like scam psyops, but he said he got scammed out of like 150 K. And so like, you know, regardless, like I, I know people are definitely like, you know, getting scammed by these imposter accounts. It's just, I just find it annoying, quite frankly, like just knowing that like people are doing that in my name, you know, but you know, what are you, what are you going to do? I, I reached out to Twitter. I'm, I'm did everything I could, so we'll see what happens. I guess I'll tell everyone right now: if someone prom- if someone promises that you send them one Bitcoin, they're going to send you two back. It ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you so much for ta- doing this. We're going to see you again on Friday next week. All right, man. Hey, and, and for the people listening, be sure to check out uh, Pomp Game on my my podcast. So <laughs> that is true. That is true. It'll, it'll be it'll be out tomorrow. Wait so, till uh, wait, wait till the coming. union finds out all the shit I talked about them on the podcast. Yeah, we're, not, you're we're, trouble, not, we're not worried about you, dude. <laughs> all right, we'll see you later, Will. Thanks, all right, Will. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>